You're listening to What She Said Podcast with Shanae Hall. Welcome to another episode of What She Said. I'm your host, Shanae Hall. I got my mama with the mostest down there. How you doing, Mama Frost? What's up, everybody? So good to be back. Absolutely. It's been two weeks, I think. But um, this is a, this is that one. This is that episode that I've been waiting for because I'm a person that seeks knowledge. Like, I'm not just picking people off the random street and saying, hey, come talk to me. I have these two people coming back because I feel like when I walked away, I had a different perception or perspective of the Bible, of polygamy, of polygyny. I didn't even know what a polygyny was until Chief came on and educated me. So with this episode, it's really about taking Holda's opinion, who is our guest back, say, hey, Holda. <laughs> and Chief coming back on to kind of give the dialogue and say, where are we missing the mark as far as what is allowable, what is perceived as acceptable as far as God is concerned, not as far as Shanae or human beings think. So I want to start out with, because I actually called Bishop Marvin Sapp to kind of give me a, a overview of his perception from a bishop point of view. And one of the things I want to do is take it to Genesis 2, 24, because that's at the beginning, right? And it says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and becomes one flesh. And so we'll start out because I remember um, our last conversation Holda talking about, let's start at the beginning. Let's not start in the middle, let's start from the beginning. But this is one of the quotes that Marvin Sapp gave me that I found interesting because I had never thought about it like that. And I said, is it acceptable? Is polygyny and polygamy allowed in the Bible? And he said, Sinead, what you have to think about is that the sin of Adam was a separation between God and man. Sin produced perversion. Adam's responsibility was to cover Eve. Man carries the seed. And so his, it, he kind of put the responsibility on the man. He said, it's not that his intent was for men to have multiple wives. It's that the separation between man and God allowed the perversion and the sin to come in, which it was not there before. And that transcended into things that was going on, whether it was with King Solomon or King David or all the men after. It's just like, this happened, not that it was acceptable, but that it didn't start out with God's intent from to have multiple wives or he had made a multiple wives, but the perversion of the separation is what caused, you know, this to happen in the Bible. And, and even I think I thought about it as for us as people now, it's not that God cast us out because of our sins. I guess that's why Jesus came and had to die for our sins because it, it transitioned. So you guys can start out with um, the beginning, you know, and, and chief, I'll start out with you because you were the one that, you know, kind of had the, the starting mark of, do you believe that in the beginning that it was intended for Adam to have multiple wives? And if you do believe that, why do you think God only created one? Well, no, number one, um, the, the, the problem starts there, right? The problem starts with a concept. I don't believe Adam and Eve are the first two people on the planet earth. I don't believe those are the first people that were created. No, I, I don't believe that. So to believe that um, the standard goes um, just simply from Adam and Eve, and you know that's where it all starts. That that's not something that I I subscribe to. Okay. Um, so to start there is is problematic to me. So here here here's where I'll start. Right. Let's go to Psalms. I'm gonna go to Psalms. Um, well, hold on. Before you transition, let me give Holder a, a, a moment to reply. Yes. Um, Holder, you want to kind of give me your perception on what Marvin Sapp said and also, you know, how you take that introduction. Okay, that's awesome. Before I, before I get started, I want to say hey to Chief. I don't know exactly what your name is, and I want mm -hmm. you to know that this conversation, I respect you and what you do, so I don't want to, you know, start off on the, on the wrong foot. I don't have any uh, pretensions or anything at all. Um, so, hi. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> um, but in regard to what is said by um, Marvin Sapp, that's a, a good place to start. I always feel like the, the beginning is a good place to start. 
And um, the reason why is because that's what we have. That's what we have there. And my area where I would operate from is using the original language. When a person tells me, okay, I don't believe that, then I wanna know where there is there a discrepancy. And he talked about, you, you mentioned how he said that over time, that sin separates man and the further away man gets from, yeah, from the creator, that they begin to create their own ways or their own method of doing things. And the reason why I started in the beginning, and I like that he started in the beginning, is because in Isaiah, the book says that the end is declared at the beginning. We can't jump somewhere else in scripture without starting with the foundation that is shifting us away from, and we're skipping so much history if we just kind of jump around. And so where I find my area of interest, I won't even call it an area of expertise, is looking at the original language. So I wouldn't even start at Genesis um, 2 because that's too far. I'm in Genesis 1. And in Genesis 1 and at verse 27, it says, Vayibara Elohim et ha'adam ba'selemu beselem alahim bara Otto Zakar Uneva Bara Atom. And what he's literally saying is in the beginning, El so Elohim created man in his own image. In the image of Elohim created he him. That's not plural, it's singular, male and female, he created them. Then it becomes plural when it gets male and female. So anything beyond that, I would like to know where that comes from, where in the original language, it literally tells us it was he, she, male, female, and the literal words are for male, zakar means the one that plows, so we know that's a man, and literally nakeba means the one that is, that is pierced in that way. So it's literally giving you definition for what a man and a woman were in the beginning. And it was two people and he gave two functions to those two people. And then he gives the plural with them, which is um, otam, which means them plural. So I would like to know who, and I, I can't wait to hear it because I want to know who the others were. I know there's folklore. I know there's apocryphal books. I know there's extra things, but in the original language that I believe was given to us by the creator, that is exactly what is said. Chief, it's on you. Yeah, so um, it, it's it's very unfair. That interpretation is very unfair because you and I both know that when we see those that terminology, it's also referring to humanity in general. It's referring to the creation of humanity in general, not two particular, uh, not just a man and woman particularly, right? That's impossible because number one, Cain goes, Cain is the son of Adam and Eve. He leaves his father and mother after murdering Abel and goes to the land of Nod, takes a wife and builds a city. So to the conceptually that to believe that that is literally just talking about the creation of two people, yet somehow, some way, there's a whole land established that's called Nod where Cain goes and gets a wife. How is that possible if only two people pre-exist Cain, which is his parents? That's a, that's a very good point. You brought up concrete versus abstract. So when I approach the text, I'm looking at concrete versus abstract. Before something can be allegorical, before we can challenge something, in my opinion, we first have to deal with what is actually there. And then we have to build from that basis. So you said, oh, that's impossible. But there are a lot of impossibilities in the Bible. So what we probably have to establish is what is your belief system according to the Bible? Because I feel like it's an impossibility that you know, Noah did a Ace Ventura nature call and then animals just started coming from all over the place and fit on a boat that only eight people built. I think there's a lot of things that don't fit that, into that, my human a, understanding a, a of impossibilities or how they work. That, that, that's a drastic false equivalency. We're not talking about um, 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 something miraculous happening because what because if what you're saying is true and it's impossible, right? So there has to be two people. They make Cain and Abel. So did God then go and create a woman to give Cain? Is that what you're asserting there? Because I'm not talking about an allegory. I'm talking about a term being used, just like we could say man. I could be talking about myself or I could be talking about mankind broadly. That's not allegorical, right? So again, are you are, are you insinuating that a whole woman was created just to be given to Cain? 
I'm asking you, where in the text does it say that happened? We can't move outside of the text. We, we, we can't add something to it. So where in the text does it say, and this happened? So we have to stick with what he did in this context and can't say, okay, well, what about this person? We yes. have to establish that we don't know. Do we know? Mankind was created. That's, that's what he said in that context. Does the word Adam also mean mankind in Hebrew? Absolutely. So is it is it is it erroneous to conclude that that would have to be referring to mankind, especially when we take a look at how the story plays out? It would not be erroneous because in the text I mentioned Zakar Nakeva. Those are two particular attributes, and he talks about how. And then when we get to chapter two, he goes into explicit detail on the creation of man, where he placed this man, how he got this woman, how he caused him to join together, what happened between these two people affected the rest of humanity. And when we go on further in scripture, and if I don't know if you're messianic or non-messianic, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but when we get further in scripture, we're gonna hear Paul talk about first man, Adam, second man, Messiah, the sins of one man came and brought sin into the whole world. And then one man came along and then eradicated or put that sin into remission. So there's this streamlined view that we're supposed to be focusing on in scripture. So we can't look at what was dysfunctional. Can I finish? Go ahead, sis. What, was, what was dysfunctional in the world. So if, if Adam, let's, I'm gonna go with your point. If Adam is the perfect form of functionality created by the creator, created in the garden, set apart from these other people that were created, given a specific way of living and a specific standard of living called Torah, the instruction, oral, right? He's given this specific standard of living. Then how can we look at what's happening outside and then make our determination for us who are supposed to be Israelites and set apart to be based on what was happening if God took Adam and set him apart from that dysfunction out there. We can't go, okay, now I'm gonna, they, this was already here and this was already happening. What, These people are already doing this. What are you talking about? No, you're, I, you're, I, you're saying I, you don't I, agree. I didn't say that. What you I, just I, I, say. I, I, and I didn't say you said that. I'm using that. You're using what may have happened where when we know that, yeah, so no, I'm using what may have happened to refer to the fact that there wasn't just two initial people. That's what I'm talking about. So the I, point, I, I, said, but the point I, that you said is a point I agree with that Adam was separated from dysfunction and everything going on to set apart and given instructions. That's what I agree with. That's the whole point that I make it. Not okay. that I'm using justification on something somebody else may have did to justify my belief in a practice that that's not what i'm saying at all no, no, i'm saying why are you, we're bringing in what happened on the outside when the perfection of one man and one woman continuing a particular bloodline right is where we're focusing that's where we're focusing on which I, is go ahead i think hold on what he's saying and i kind of gotta agree because it has at, at i think and chief correct me if i'm wrong but you're basically making it make sense like you're it sounds like you're filling in the blanks like it got to make sense so if adam and eve are here and or shanae and chief have a baby so we got a baby but the baby goes off and gets married but we're the only two here we on this island together how you go and find another wife for my son to get married to if we the only ones here so you you filled it and if i'm saying it correctly which you're exactly right makes filling in so what you're saying is you're filling in that there are other people what i'm saying is we don't have time frame for how long how far it was from adam and eve we know throughout all of the bible we don't get every single child that every person has we know that's not true we don't we don't know time frame what we know is in genesis we know genesis is, is summarizing in 11 chapters we have millennia summarized Okay. We know that emphatically, right? But that's only in 11 chapters. So if in, in 11 chapters, we have thousands of years that are being talked about, of course, all the particulars are not there, but we have enough to connect dots. For example, when we take a look at um, Genesis 10, in Genesis 10, when it talks about uh, uh, Babel, in the beginning of Babel with, uh, uh, with, 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 with um, Nimrod, Nimrod founds Babel, and he became a money hunter on the earth. Then they build a tower in Babel. Then Babel's destroyed. The way, if we're reading it just off the scriptures, when you actually take a look at from the historical perspective that corroborates everything that is said in the scriptures, right? When you take a look at the historical perspective, 
this is literally centuries that it's talking about, but the scriptures just are summing them up because it has to sum them up because, you know, it, it has this bit of time. Then we have to get to the focal point of our story, which starts with Abraham, right? So we're, we're summing these things up. So everything may not necessarily be there, right? But we can connect the dots with what is there. That's all I'm doing. Okay. Can, can I can I interject here? Can you guys hear me? Yes, mama. So so just real quick for, for the naive viewer, um, can you guys... Can each of you define your religion, uh, whatever the title is, and how is that different than Christianity, Baptist, or whatever? Just to give people a, just a real short synopsis of who you are, what religion you practice, and, and what book you study, so then, then everyone who's viewing this can understand from where you are. So what is, what is it that you study and practice? Either one of you can go first. Want me to go first? I, I mean, it, it's, it's close. Just, go ahead. Okay, so um, I don't personally like the term religion for what I'm going to say. I believe um, I feel like religion puts you into boxes, and I don't believe that practicing the biblical faith is necessarily religion. I believe it's a culture, it is a lifestyle, and it is a mandate for all, um, literally all of creation, but specifically for those who are descendants from the from the 12 tribes of Israel. So all the way from Abraham, all the way down. So if I was going to give you a term, I would say the same thing that Paul said. He said, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. And he uses that term. So following in the faith of Messiah and walking behind him, then that's who I am. And so your book is the Torah. What, what is your guide? The whole body, from the, the beginning body. to the end. Yeah. Okay. Chief. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, what, 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 she said is, you know, it, she pretty much said the same thing that I would say. We wouldn't necessarily call it a religion. We would refer to it as a culture. We're practicing a culture. We believe is the culture of our ancestors, um, being the, you know the descendants of the twelve tribes of Israel. So we're practicing a culture, and um, the instructions from our culture, um, you know, they begin in the Torah. Um, you know, but we have the whole Bible here that gives us uh, wisdom, that gives us our history, that gives us prophetic words from God, etc. Okay, thank you. So Deuteronomy 17, 17, and we had talked about it before, Chief, when we were talking about King Solomon and I think King David, and we talked about them having multiple wives or whatever, and it says, um, I'm starting at 16, the king, moreover, must not acquire a great number of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Um, then he goes on to don't accumulate large amounts of gold and silver. But I read that and, to, and I guess it's all a subject of interpretation of how you perceive the word many. But to me, that says don't take multiple wives. And he specifically talks about a king or your heart will be led astray. Um, one of the things that Marvin said that I found interesting, he said, if you look at every instance in the um, Bible where there was polygyny, it resulted in chaos. And I think... Um, Holder, you had mentioned something like that. You were like, look at the outcome of every single one of these situations. Um, so Chief, I just wanted you to chime in on that particular thing where it talks about, because even if you go further into the scripture and it talks about um, leaders, you know, and I, I don't know if that's a leader as in the king or a leader as in the Bible, but it says that um, if you, Peter, 1 Peter 5, 3 says that spiritual leaders are to be examples to the members of the church. And then Hebrew 13 says members are to follow their example and they're not supposed to have multiple wives the way that I interpreted it. So we're trying to find a balance of interpretation and reality, I guess, if there's such a thing. Yeah, yeah well, it, it's it's very unfair for somebody to, to say that every instance of polygyny in scripture results in chaos. Um, the chaos that comes from David is not a result of polygyny. It's a result of adultery, right? So he literally sees somebody else's wife, takes her, sets him up to be killed. You see what I'm saying? That's what brings the chaos in David's life. 
not his other wives. You see, because he was practicing polygyny long before Bathsheba came into the equation and the chaos wasn't there as a cause of any of that. That comes later. But even when we just Deuteronomy 17, they, you, people are starting at 17. We have to look here. Deuteronomy 17, we go to Deuteronomy 17 and even Deuteronomy 18. It is giving, it is giving rules and regulations for different positions of leadership. So this is not applicable. What's applicable to the king is not applicable for all leaders, right? Because notice when we go here, right? Let's just go to Deuteronomy 17 okay. and all start at, let's see here, verse nine. Let's start at nine. Right? Okay. No, no, not, not nine, not nine. 14. Hold on. Right, hold on one second. Just start at 15, actually. Okay. Right? Thou shalt in any, no, no, uh, 14, my fault. That's it. Okay. When thou art come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and thou shalt possess it, right? We go into Israel and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are round about me. So when Israel finally comes to the conclusion that we're going to have a king like all the other nations, because when you, Look at the history of Israel. First, we start with Judges, right? Uh, Joshua was the first judge, and we have the book of Judges. But then all of a sudden, when the book of Samuel comes, Israel tells Samuel, who was a judge, we want a king. And that was a whole deal, right? Okay. Now, and, and the funny thing is, even when, if we look at this conceptually from the beginning, right? We have, if, if we're going to go from the beginning for everything, we don't have a king from the beginning, Right. And, and, and God actually, when Samuel goes to God and says, we want a king, they say, it's OK, they rejected me. Right. But nobody is disputing whether or not king, if you're non-Messianic people, accept King David is the king. If you're Messianic, Christ is the king. No problem. But from the beginning, we don't have a king. And even the having a king, God looks at as a rejection of him. Right. So if we're going to go by everything from the beginning. Right. Why don't we do that? People are very selective um, in that. But let's keep going. I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are round about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him a king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose, one from among thy brethren. So contextually, it's literally talking about the actual monarch of the nation of Israel. It's not, you know, uh, spiritually referring to leadership, etc. because a, a priest, for example, are leaders. Judges are leaders. Prophets are leaders. And all of that is outlined in Torah, the rules and regulations for priests, for prophets, for judges. None of them, none of the other ones say anything about how many wives they can or can't take. With the priests, only virgins of the nation of Israel are they allowed to take, right? But outside of that, it doesn't say they can only have one wife. That's something that's only given to the king. And when we take a look at the history and how it plays out with King Solomon, we can see exactly why, because that's literally what happened. His heart was turned away by his wives and, and specifically his strange wives, okay. right? So just contextually, we can't apply that to everybody. Okay. I find it difficult to take quantum leaps. So I need to just go back and get some context because I, I don't think he finished. The point was in the beginning that in Genesis, there wasn't just one man and one woman. I just want to get your clarification. My brain's going to stay in the area. So you're saying because the world wasn't created from one man and one woman, that that argument that it has to stay one man, one woman doesn't stand. I just want clarification on that particular point before we move forward. Well, to no. Essentially, I don't believe the world was created from one man and one woman. Okay. So I don't, that's the standard from the beginning. Okay. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you went to Genesis. I mean, we went to Deuteronomy 17, 17, and the standard was supposed to be that because it was a king who I'm just making sure I understand, because this was talking to a king that that specifically applied there and that David's issue was not the issue of polygamy but his issue was the issue of Bathsheba is am I correct yes ma'am so he was right in being polygamous as a king uh yeah well does God now we have to take a look at because okay, God said in his word the only thing he said David was a man after his own heart he did right in the eyes of the Lord except for in the case of Bathsheba does he say that absolutely yes yes so so if that said then we can't say he's wrong for practicing polygyny because God didn't say he was wrong for practicing polygyny. He only said he was wrong for committing adultery with Bathsheba. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to ask this and then I, I want to get to the, the point that you're talking about. Um, that is a quantum leap for me because throughout the book of Kings, over and over and over again, God also says they did was right. They did what was right in my eyes, but they did not tear down the high places. So should we have high places? 
that doesn't justify no, no, yet no, because no, he didn't no, condemn no, that particular no, act in his lifetime. No. They did what was right in their eyes, and then he talks about what they did was wrong, right? So David did what was right in his eyes, then he specifies what he did was wrong with his what was with Bathsheba, the same place where they did what was right, but they didn't tear down the high places. So what does that mean? That that was wrong. Anything that was wrong, it's specified, it's singled out, it's talked about, right? So if that was if the only thing that was talked about was Bathsheba, then how was it wrong? Number one, God said, what is that in, in, in 1 Samuel 26 and 5? God said he gave, he gave David, he gave David Saul's wives. 2 Samuel 12 and 8. I was gonna go there. Second so, Samuel, so if God what why would God give him something? If it's if it's wrong, why would God give that to him? He didn't give it to him. Actually, the text in the original language says that he entrusted. The word there is hik het yod kof. It's bahik. And he says that he put them in his bosom. And if you follow David's story, it also says he that David was entrusted. Where, with, on, where does your wife lay? Where does your wife lay? Does the Bible call your wife the wife of your bosom? That 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 that, that that's that, not, that. Come on, you're now. not letting me finish. You're but, not but letting you said, me finish. I'm just capping on what you said. The Bible says your wife lays in your. She did lay it in your bosom. That's your wife. So if okay. he put Saul's wives in his bosom, he gave them to wife. Okay, that's okay. I'm, 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 that's fine. And that's so, how we interpret. That's what I want to understand. So you, you, right. you explained how you interpret it and how he's let him stand on. That's his interpretation. That's what we're trying to understand the difference. And like I said, I mean, that makes sense. What, what's kind of standing out to me that's, that's really like, as you're talking to it's really standing out as he said, or his heart will be led astray. And even, we don't know which wife it's gonna be. In that case, it was Bathsheba, it could be somebody else. But the reason I feel like it's saying, don't take multiple wives is because one of them is going to turn you in a direction you don't want to go. Now it could be Bathsheba, it could be whatever. Am I misreading? That wife, can, I, can I get to the interpretation? That was his wife. So how could that, that, that wife, that the one that turned him astray was not his wife. After so, she became his wife, she didn't turn him astray. That was somebody else's wife. That's where he went astray. So we can't say that because it wasn't, that wasn't the situation. That was somebody else's wife. That okay. made him astray. Okay. So it's interesting Should it, to speak to your point about interpretation. What I'm realizing, and this is why I think there is so much religious contention is because most of the time, the driving force is what we consider isogesis. It's not what is actually happening, but it's how each person wiggles and reads in between the lines. And then somebody says, oh, well, that makes sense to me. Everything will make sense without the full context. A text out of context is a proof text. I can take any text in the text and tell you in English what that text says. For me, the final say for everything is in the original language. That's what I, that, that is my area because he can say one thing and say, oh, in English it says this, 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 and this, and this person was doing this. And I'm saying, okay, but I wanna get to this word right here. What does bosom mean? Do you know what the Hebrew word for bosom is? Do you know that that's the same exact word that is used in the other text? Or in this case, the word here, which is baheka, which literally means to be entrusted by custom. And the custom was that everything that belonged to a particular tribe stayed within that tribe. And if you follow the custom, David explicitly gives all that is Saul's house to Mephibosheth and Ziba. They split it at one point, but he gives it to them. It does not in one place in the Bible say that David slept with any of Saul's wives. It is not in one place that he said, and when they list the children he had, list any children by any of Saul's wives or concubines. So for me, when I look at the text, and I'm going to let me finish. wives and concubines accounted for. Oh, let me, can I finish the text? So in the text. No, but but you, can, you can't just, you when you make an unfair blatant statement, right? I'm, I'm going to interject into that. You're, you're, go, you're going to have to, there's got to be an integrity in what you're saying here, Absolutely. right? All of David's wives and concubines are not named, right? He had many of these things, right? So so for you to say, oh, it doesn't mean that because this, 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 and that. Number one, we could take Saul's wives and concubines off the table. He still has wives and concubines outside of them. Where does God tell him he was wrong? That's that's okay. the question. So I, I, 
Okay. I I'm going to give you first, I agree, but... first Chronicles 3, okay. which lists David's descendants, and it lists his seven wives. So we'll start there. And it also lists by name, if you go throughout the Bible, who were his concubines or handmaidens. So if there's others that are just floating where the text is silent, the student of the Bible should also be silent, is my opinion. That's my opinion, off, off the top for that. So then where you ask me, where does it say that he was wrong? My question is gonna be, where does it say that it is a commandment that a man can have one? Show me the commandment in the Bible that says, and thou shall, or you can do this particular thing, because it's not a commandment. You can tell me custom, which I would wholeheartedly agree with you on. A man, first of all, Paul says, all things are lawful for me. They may not all be expedient for me. They may not all be the best thing for me to do. And so my question is, first, in the laws, statutes, and commandments, we have 613 in Torah. We also have mitzvot, right? And we have, and we have tradition and culture. Where does polygamy fall? Polygamy, polygyny, does it fall in commandment? Thou shall? Does it fall into permissible? I can? Or does it fall outside of that? If we put it in one of those categories, we may just agree. But my, my thing is, where, where are we getting these categories from, right? Like, like Paul said, if, if there's not, if, where there is no law, there is no sin, right? So if I don't see a law against something, when I, when I go into the Leviticus 18, for example, or Leviticus 20, when I'm getting my instructions from my creator on what are, what sexual practices are wrong, right? It's not in there. I don't, I don't see that as condemned. So if I'm, if I'm not told that I can't do it, then I can do it, right? So if, because uh, I'm going to, in Torah, and we're not even going to get to it, in Torah does also doesn't say that a woman can't sleep with a woman. Find that for me. So can a woman sleep with a woman? Well, just like we know in a masculine culture, right, in a masculine language, like you talk about, right, when it talks about man or mankind, and it talks about it in the broad sense, women are a part of that, right or wrong? Are women a part of that? If women are in the audience that is being spoken to, then culturally, if one man is in the room, then it's speaking to everybody. But then there are also laws that are specifically designated for men and they're specifically designated for women. So I'm, I'm in that context, yes. Exactly. So, 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 that's what I mean. so then if that's the case, if that's the case, then we have to look at two verses. We're gonna look at Exodus chapter 19, verse six. Exodus chapter 19, verse six is the first time we can get the conversation or we should I mean, I, I'll use this term, um, the term, a nation of priests. The nation is called a nation of priests. Most of the time people deal with the Aaronic priesthood. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 19, verse six, that we are to be a nation of priests, which means that the standard mm -hmm. for the whole nation, for the whole nation, right, is priesthood. And if you don't agree with me there, it's in first Peter two, nine, Peter echoes the same thing. So as a nation of priests, we also have a standard that is above just what we think, what we feel, what Yah didn't say was right or wrong. It's very, very, very high. And so it's not that we should be, I think necessarily arguing about what you can do or can't do. It's that how close should we be trying to get to the standard, which is what Yah gave to his priesthood? Because before the sin of the golden calf, before the sin of the golden calf, that applied to everyone. Well, again, now, and the Levitical priesthood has its own specific uh, rules and regulations, number one. But, but nation number, of priests, before, oh, before but, Levitical priesthood, no, but the before Levitical priesthood has Genesis, its own. Exodus, Leviticus, we're in Exodus chapter okay, 19. But, but, it, but in Levitical priesthood, that specific laws that the Melchizedekite order does not have. That's number one. So is the, Melchiz is the Melchizedek order higher is it higher than the Levitical priesthood, than the Aaronic priesthood? Yes, but but we can't. But what I'm saying is, you can't convolute the commandments for the Aaronic priesthood and superimpose them onto the Melchizedekite. That's all. I, I wasn't superimposing oh, them. Okay. The Melchizedek okay. priesthood uh -huh. is Exodus. Oh, okay. Right? Well, yeah, it goes all the way back. Exodus, nine, Exodus six is uh -huh. before Exodus twenty. And who wrote that? Who wrote Exodus? Who guessed? Moshe. Moshe wrote it, right? And how many wives did Moshe have? Moshe had. Two, at least two. Okay, so if, if he's if he's telling me that that's the standard now, then polygyny is is this is actually the standard of the individual that gave me the law. So how can I now think it's not okay? We don't get that polygyny is the standard of Moshe because Moshe put Zipporah away. Where, I mean, that's in no, the text. Show me where he divorced uh, uh, Zipporah. 
putting away and divorce are two different things. Okay, well, I, well, I, I'm talking about divorce because if if he sent her back home and then Jeffro's descendants come back with us in judges, we know that. So we know that his people were around us. So just because he sent her home for whatever particular time he did doesn't mean he stopped being her husband. The root word for to put away or to divorce, which is to literally, it's called shalach, and it literally means to send. He sent her, he shalach he sent, her to he her sent, father's house. That he, is the Hebrew he definition of he, he separation. Sent her home. Okay. He sent her home, but shalach. Okay. Divorce. Go back with your daddy. He, no, no. So, so he divorced her then. The term I said, they're put away, divorce. Put away a man who puts away a wife can't biblically can technically marry another woman. She must remain single or return oh, to her. Oh, so, so when did he get the Ethiopian wife then? He got the Ethiopian wife in the wilderness. So you're, you're, you're in a wilderness where people aren't right. And somehow he finds an Ethiopian wife. So you're okay. The same person that just told me that there are people everywhere is telling me that in the wilderness, that there are no people. We get the Midianites come out to the wilderness. Everybody knows where the Hebrews are out in the wilderness. That wasn't a secret. They passed through the we Amorites, through the Jebusites knew they were out there. We passed, so through we passed through people's land. Absolutely. So where do you think he got the Kushite from? I'll tell you where he got the Kushite from because I have the historical documentation. It tells me where he got the Kushite from because Moses was the viceroy of Kush while he was in Egypt in, in, in a prominent position. Right when he, when you understand historical historical Moses, you understand that when, while he was actually Pharaoh over a part of Egypt, he went and became viceroy of Cush, and there he has a wife, and there's actual archaeology that shows him and his wife, this same guy Moses, so right? You Moses to call him in in Cush, so that's where he gets his wife. He had his wife before he even goes and meets Zephora. But go ahead. Okay, so your standard. Hold on, before hold on, before you go, because I wanted to just chime in briefly. Okay. Um, you had said something in it talking about customs, right? And this is really important for both you guys to kind of break down, because like I said, one of the things Marvin Sapp had pointed out earlier. Let me call him Bishop Marvin Sapp, so people that don't know who he is. It said it's not that it was what God wanted when he was talking about polygamy or polygyny. He said it wasn't the will of God, but the Israelites started to kind of follow the pagan traditions and cultures or whatever. And he actually said, this is why the Israelites were stuck in slavery for so long because they started to go against God's will. And again, I don't know, and I might not, I might not even reframed it properly because I kind of condensed down what our conversation was. But do you think that some of the things we're talking about, you guys can both be absolutely correct in, you know, the broader scope of it. But at the end of the day, was these things transitioned because Israelites, from what I'm reading, were supposed to be held at a higher standard. I could be wrong, but it seemed like they, you're, you're the epitome of what it is to be God's people, if you were to say. And so you have a standard that's higher than everybody else. Um, you you know, were talking I, about leaders or... You, so does that make sense as far as now you start seeing the pagans and they're moving a certain way and they look real sexy like we kind of do today you like I see how the celebrities is moving out look real fly I'm gonna go try that even though it's out of your scope of what you could afford or what you can do or what's right. healthy for your lifestyle but it looked right it looks sexy and then so the Israel Israelites slowly started to pick up some of their 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 customs which led them to becoming what they were and actually he was like well that's why God was like all right we'll go do it your way you ain't gonna do it my way no more go do you does that make sense or can you elaborate on that at all that makes a lot of sense because that was kind of going to be my point when he's mentioning okay history culture context I don't believe and I agree with the chief that the bible is not written on an island you can go and look in other cultures and you can see similarities between the Akkadians and between the Ethiopians and between the you'll see the Canaanites like they call their chief deity Yahweh the Canaanite culture does. So we know that there are similarities within the culture. So if Moses was doing something pre-Torah, before he met with Yah on Sinai, I believe that everything that was practiced up into Sinai was set in order. Everything was. So he says, now, you know, Abraham married his half-sister. Can we marry our half-sister now? Uh -uh. No, but I also believe that in the law, because the Most High is gracious, he allowed provision for where we come from. We know that polygamy, polygyny was practiced within the Eastern culture. That's not an argument for me at all. Absolutely not. But when it came to Torah, he started putting up stipulations 
on what this would look like and how these women will be treated because I've, I've, if you've done missionary work, which I'm sure people have, you go to other countries and you start talking to them, the man might have 12 wives. So because he believes the Bible now, he's going to say, okay, everyone, but the first one, y'all got to go. No, he has a responsibility because that's what he knew at that time. But when you know better and when you know more, you move differently. And my argument has not been, and I didn't state necessarily my full position, but like I said, people are going to do what people are going to do. And we all have to stand in the judgment for that. We have to stand in the judgment for our interpretation of things. Mm -hmm. Some of us choose to be like, all right, this is right here. This is what makes sense for me. But when a person finds justification for something and it sits well with your soul, then that has to be you. What my issue with the conversation of polygamy and polygyny is, is that people extend outward and you try to recruit people into a lifestyle that that's not what they want to do or manipulate them or deceive them into it. When it's up front, which it should be in Torah, every situation, well, when you get Laban in the picture, Chief know this, like it gets a little tricky because he just wanted Rachel. But most of the time, you have a say. The woman had a say. She, her husband, it, it was something that was up front. It wasn't like, oh, I'm sneaking over here to this place. Oh, this used to be my side chick, but now I'm in Torah now. I'm a Hebrew now. So my side chick can now become my other, my other wife. That's not how the situation works. And I think that's where things get convoluted. It's the same thing that gets convoluted in regular monogamous relationships. When you do something and everything's not on the table, if it's not in your covenant and it's not in your contract, you can't bring that up later. And that's my issue with anything. The Bible is a Bible of contracts, the Bible of law. So if you're doing something and you have a justification, don't go get a woman that you know she just want to be your only woman. Right. And get her for a couple of years and then turn around and be like, oh, by the way, it's my right. I get another one. It's like, hey, you didn't tell her that from the beginning. So you wonder why there's jealousy. You wonder why there's fighting. You wonder why these all these things, they have context. That is how I'm looking at the text and viewing it. When things are done underhandedly, there's no context. There was no argument between um, uh, Abigail and Ahinoam, the Jezreelites. They weren't like, oh, okay, David took you and then got two, two cities over and took her. You don't see a fight. Why? Because of David and, his, and who he was. He wasn't just like some whoremonger. He get one infraction and the whole world thinks he's just out here like hoeing off women. And that wasn't his vibe at all. There was a lot of stuff that went to the context of him taking Bathsheba. So I'm not saying what a person can or can't do. I'm saying if we're going in, are we choosing, is it permissive? Is it cultural? But you can't tell a person. God is saying that in his law, I have to do this. So you have to go along with this. That's what I'm saying. And that's what I expect, what I respected about Chief Priest off the rip is he was like, well, Anybody that's in my circle, that's in my camp, or that's dealing with me, know what it is off the bat. And I actually did a whole skit, in case you didn't watch it, on how does this work? Hey, mom, are you, you bringing Rhonda to it? And he was like, it definitely doesn't work like that. But <laughs> I got to learn off the bat that he moves in that space, which is respectable, regardless, biblically or not, right or not, what it is, is if you're being honest, and you say, this is how I move, then you give her the opportunity at hour one to decide if she wants to move in that space with you. And for me, I respect that from a moral perspective beyond any religion or, or, or religious beliefs. Like come at me with the, with the common courtesy to let me choose if I wanna share you or not. And then we can have a conversation. So that's what I've always respected about. That's why he's even on here the third time because at least he's like, he gonna keep it 100 on a real life, we a person, and then I'm gonna break it down from the Bible and tell you my opinion. And I'm gonna be like, I don't agree with that, but I respect this side of what you just said. So, so what Sis Holder just said, you know, again, and, and she's correct, there's not, there's nowhere in the Torah that says, this is what you have to do, right? This is, like she said, permissible, it's cultural. You see what I'm saying? And also, like she said, it's something that should be out front, like you were just talking about. And what a lot of guys don't, what a lot of brothers in the truth for, you got guys that don't practice our culture necessarily, but they want to deal with multiple girls. What they don't understand is when you, when you from jump, when I meet this girl, it's funny. I literally just last week, I was at a an Atlanta hotspot, right? I, I was I was talking to one of the waitresses and she was actually she's seeing us. She was like, man, this thing got the Bible in his pocket. Like, like, what do y'all do? You know what I'm saying? And um, so I started talking to her and she's like, so like you married and stuff. I said, I got two wives. She was like, first she was like, then she's like, Well, 
I just stopped talking to this dude because he wanted to mess with multiple girls. But, you know, he was being sneaky. And I said, see, that's the problem. I said, she was like, yeah, if he would have told me up front, I probably would have been more receptive to the whole situation. So you, you got to be up front. And, 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 you know, women and every, not just women, but everybody needs to, you know, have a choice, make an informed decision. So look, sis, this is this is what I'm dealing with. Or even if you don't, you're not presently dealing with multiple women, but you believe that it's something that is possible to you. You don't want to keep the doors closed. Just let her know that from the onset. So now she, but but in my organization, if you join my organization as a man, you're not allowed to tell your woman, you know, you're only, I'm only going, because you don't know what's going to happen. You see what I'm saying? Now you tell her this. Now when she's coming to council, oh, he's talking to this girl. And he told me I was going to be his only girl. We're going to be like, well, I, you did tell her she was going to be the only one. Now she feels misled. Now she feels deceived, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there's validity to those claims. So brothers got to, Brothers just got to really be honest. And a lot of times, a lot of brothers are afraid. This, the way this world works, they've been conditioned to be afraid of certain things, but they're not understanding. There is a lot of women that, that will respect the hell out of you and deal with you with you being upfront with them and honest with them and, and putting the ball in their court to say, okay, you like me, you want to deal with me. This comes with it or this potentially could come with it at some point. And I'm not the nigga that's I got the side girl around the corner that you're oblivious to that I'm messing with here and there. And now I done brought something home. Now you like, man, I got a strange feeling down there. What's going on? You see what I'm saying? Right. Nah. Right. All, all that is wrong and all that is a, I would call that a trespass against your wife. You see what I'm saying? When you operating like that. So I agree with everything, sister. So I'm with that 1000%. Appreciate you. Mom, go ahead. Well, I have a couple of questions, but um, my first my first question is, and I remember this from our previous conversation with Chief. Um, since we've now established that there's no law that says a man must take on how many ever wives, I remember you guys saying that women in your married relationships cannot have another guy in her life. So, is there a law that says that, or is that some sort of is that your rule? I mean, how did that come about where the women in those marital situations cannot have someone else, but y'all can? To that, oh, is that me? Oh, oh, go ahead, since you can take That would be considered Torah-based as defilement. That is defilement of the land. So it's the picture, I mean, I'll put it into like a, a Torah law concept. So the land as it's divided to Israel can only stay within those tribes, right? You can't take land and take it to other people, to other tribes. The same way with the wife, her body, her womb is like land and only one seed should be sown in that land because if she gets pregnant by more than one man, right? Then who has the inheritance to that child? Who has the, inher the inheritance gets muddled. So all of the separation that you see when it comes to land, when it comes to wives, when it comes to possessions is to make sure that the wealth of that man, that family and that tribe stays in its place. So it's not something of whether or not a woman can have sexual prowess or if she wants more sex. It's a it's a it's a it's it's a logical way of doing things. Like whose baby is this? Now we gotta wait. They didn't have paternity tests, so they was all cousins. So that baby gonna come out, it's gonna look like all of them at the same time. So to keep the land undefiled and to keep the inheritance in the space that it's supposed to stay, one man is plowing that soil, period. Okay, but we're not talking about soil and, and plowing. I understand the historical perspective. I'm talking about in 2021 with the Israelites of the chief's tribe, they get to have multiple wives, but the women in 2021 cannot. So I need to understand why men get to do that under those rules, but women cannot. Well, I'm, not well, talking, I'm not talking about land and seas. I understand what you're saying, but why is are women denied the same opportunity as the men in that particular custom or culture or what have you? Well, she just explained. It's the cultural thing. So we practice the principles of the culture. So if that's the principles that the culture was founded upon, we have to practice it. We don't get to augment it for 2021. It stays true. The word of the Lord doesn't change. But, the, but you guys said that wasn't the word of the Lord, that men get to have multiple wives. Was it a word somewhere or is it no, custom? No, it, it wasn't. It, it's, it's permissible, meaning it's not, it doesn't say you can't do it, right? So Leviticus 20 and 10 says, if a, if a woman lies with a man outside of her husband, she has surely committed an abomination. She shall surely be put to death, right? So if a woman was to do that and, and you know, go around and have multiple men, culturally, she should be stoned for that. You see what I'm saying? 
and it, it goes back to I guess the picture if we want to keep it in like a biblical context of God yeah and his bride so this idea we have a we have a really convoluted idea of just what is permissible just in general as the bride of Christ what can you what can we do should we be able to go off and serve other gods well if you read through the old testament it's like no 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 you have one creator and that's who you serve you can't be like he, the bible calls it whoring and going and chasing after all of these other gods it's that same picture where the picture of marriage is supposed to be one 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 unified system with one custom so when it comes to the law as we practice it is one law in new testament one law one faith one baptism one god for us all in us all right so it's that idea of unification to to preserve what that is now i get it i get it sounds like backwards but also we have a perversion that has happened within our culture moving from then to 2021 and that perversion is we have been able to have multiple sex partners we have been able to practice in this particular way. And so we don't have the same original attachment that we're supposed to have to our partners. And so when you talk about laying with somebody, you are like, no, I want to just lay with you. And that's what literally messes up a relationship when you start laying with all these other people. And I, as a woman, I just want you to be with me. Right. Most women, if we are honest, we want just one man to put it down. That's just how it is. I want this man to do this thing, to learn my body. So then when we get together, he does it right. I shouldn't have to look other places. So right. if I need two men, three men to do it, it's like Build-A-Bear Workshop. I don't want a Build-A-Bear Workshop. <laughs> and, and I, I want to say this too, because I've seen from your episode, you also talked about trauma, and and you know it's not talked about enough. A lot of time, when when you have, you know, especially in, in not that it men, this doesn't happen to men. Sexual trauma happens to men plenty. Um, abusers of both genders um, on men, but in the case of women, especially, there's a lot of women that if they kind of live a um, a promiscuous lifestyle, if you actually have a soul talk with them, you'll find out that there's trauma from youth and and it's kind of a trigger you see what i'm saying so like you said the average woman she's not really looking for i want to you know be actively having sex with all these different men that's not right. a desire you know women are, are are typically you know programmed right and to be and to be clear my intent in asking that question wasn't because i think most women want to have multiple partners we do not we just want that one guy to be monogamous and faithful and love only us that's that's most of us um, my purpose was, why is it different for you guys versus us? But you guys both explained your perspective, so I'll respect that. And you know what, this, I mean, to wrap it up, what this makes me think about is what we talked about earlier when I said, um, Marvin talked about how the Israelites who were held to a higher standard started to look at the pagans and started to transition into their cultural practices. And then you think about fast forward what the ladies just said, women, we just want that one guy, right? We want that one guy that just loves us to death, that's going to adore us, is going to be faithful, it's going to be loyal. But we start looking at their practices. We start looking at the men who are supposed to be the leaders, who are supposed to be what we would consider, um, you know, the person we want to follow after and then next thing you know our habits are now following their habits almost in the same context like we're looking at something like well at least they ain't getting hurt they ain't getting, they, they ain't getting all caught up they ain't getting emotional because they got four or five mm -hmm. chicks next thing you know our women are following suit to something that's not what we're supposed to be doing and now we do got different baby daddies and we do yeah. we are out here like that the, thing, the, the whole the whole thing like a man um concept you know what i mean that kind of gets forward now girls are like well these niggas out here doing this so now i'm gonna I'm do it too right right and then that that evens out the playing field but like you said our bodies are created different at the end of the day our spirit our our spirit is created differently and i don't know i'm not a man so i know men have feelings and they fall in love and all other good stuff like we do but i feel like our our energy and what we want is different like, I don't have a desire to have multiple men. I don't have an it. And I'm Sinead. And I can have multiple dudes. They would just be like, right, I'll come off the bench when you need it. But I'm like, I don't want you to come off the bench. I want my starter to come in and do what he need to do every game. Give me 35 points every game. <laughs> right. No. 
that is so that is so true and I, I i guess i have one more question because i am i have friends and i know people who practice polygyny so it's not something that's just some foreign thing like oh my gosh this is new to me but one of the things that i if you can explain this because when you deal with this concept of cultivating the best part of a woman like she is supposed to be able to be in a relationship and blossom how does that work with more than one partner in a relationship? How do you talk to a woman who has trauma? And if she loves you, how are you healing her? And is this gonna cause additional trauma? How do you how do you balance that? And I don't know. The time. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, it, it's it's not a, you know, there's not, there's not a monolithic answer to it. Um, you know, it's me personally as just a leader in general i've always had to just deal with people a lot of people there's a lot of people who are um you know kind of relying upon me for a lot of stuff so i, I you know I, it, that's just natural to me to be able to deal with that situation but you really and, and i have to say this as, as a disclaimer um you know the practicing the practice of polygyny is, is certainly not for every man every there's a lot of men that i know that they they probably shouldn't even practice monogamy. Them brothers should really just kind of be by you know, themselves. Be to themselves. And their sisters <laughs> like that too. Right. They're like that too. It's like, you know what? I think counsel said to say, listen, sis, you don't even need to worry about a husband right now. You, you just just build you up. So when you get that man, you know, sometimes we got to build ourselves up. So when we meet that person, we're actually the person we need to be for them. You right. know what I'm saying? Um, so it 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 takes time, it takes care, it takes attention to detail. And, and you have to do it because we see in, in, in scripture, like um, this this past weekend in class, I'm going over um, Samuel. We started Samuel in the history. So when you look at Samuel and, and you see this elsewhere uh, in different polygynous situations, like with Jacob, um, where there's a fate where there's favoritism that's happening. Right. You see God favor the one that, that you're not favoring. Right. As a as a lesson to you. Right. We see this Jacob. When he got Rachel and Leah, like we talked about, he he kind of never really wanted Leah in the first place. It was always about Rachel. Laban kind of okie doked him into Leah. She's the older daughter. She got to get married first, whatever, whatever. And, you know, but Jacob, he's into Rachel. That's very clear. He's super into Rachel. He's not so much into Leah. God said, oh, you're not in the, you're not in the Leah? Rachel ain't going to have no babies. I'm giving Leah baby after baby after baby. Then Leah come here. Have my handmaid too. Have some babies with her. You know what I'm saying? So, so you, you have to, and Jacob, he wasn't really peeping what was going on. Then we see the same thing with Samuel. With Samuel, you have Elkanah, right? Who's Samuel's father. Then he has Hannah, uh, which is Samuel's mother. And then he has his other wife and he favors Hannah. So God closes Hannah's womb. You see what I'm saying? It takes Hannah making a vow to God in order for her womb to be open and her to have Samuel. You see what I'm saying? So you, 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 it, it's, it's not for everybody because you you have to be in a, and I, and I've I've made it a point to speak on this a lot with speaking on relationships. You know, in, in the apocrypha in the book of uh, Sirach, it says, "Give not thyself to a light woman." So a woman that's not heavy on you that you don't really care for, you 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 do not need to move on to that next level with her. You do not need to take her to wife because what's going to happen, and I've experienced it in dealing with women over the course of my life, is this woman knows you don't feel about her the way she feels about you, so it's causing her, it's triggering her to act up and you're looking like hey man this girl's crazy you, you my goodness yeah you can bat it off and i've done it before bat it off man this girl is crazy but when i actually step back and i analyze and i go she knew i wasn't into her like that and and that upset her naturally so she reacted naturally to the fact that she's dealing with she's super into somebody that's not as much into her right especially if there's maybe other women in the situation where it's like yeah what, 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 you know, he's into her, you know, he don't like me the same. You see what I'm saying? So especially any woman you shouldn't deal with unless you're really going to be into her. And then if you're going to deal with multiple women, make sure these are women that you're, you're into all of them in, 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 in the same way, in the same amount of way, maybe not in the same exact way, but as far as, you know, if measurably the same way, you see what I'm saying? That's something guys got to understand. Cause I'm telling you, you are going to sign yourself up for a laundry list of problems. If, if you operate anything outside of that, right? And it's and it's not gonna be fair to everybody. You're gonna practice polygyny and people could 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 argue, oh, the fairness, you got multiple and they only got one, but there's a way that you can execute it that all parties involved are happy and they feel like the treatment is fair. I know, 
because I had to learn to get to that point. I had to come to that point, but I wasn't always at that point. Right. And I can look back at mistakes I made and things I did and go, okay, that was wrong. You messed up here, but it's all, it's all beautiful. And it's, it, you know, the, the process is I, I'm thank worthy to the most high for it because now I know how to do it. And now I know how to tell the next man how to do it. If it's something that he's ventured into, you know? So my, I, have, I guess I have another question. Can I ask one more question? Cause I have yeah. a question about, um, as Torah, Torah, our, our, I believe in our, in our culture, the biblical culture, I didn't say just our culture, anybody that follows the Bible should be living according to as close as they can as a, to the biblical culture. Um, our goal, I guess, should be to make that culture, make that not just the culture, but the God of the culture appealing. So how does the practice of polygamy or polygyny make the God of the culture appealing when you have certain people, and I've seen this, where they may join your group or your camp or your, your organization because that's what they want to do. And it has nothing about their nothing to do with their heart being compelled to follow the God of the culture. You have men flocking to being Hebrew. And I say Hebrew because maybe by skin, maybe by affiliation, but by heart, they haven't crossed over. They're flocking toward becoming Hebrews because now they feel like they can do something that they were not allowed to do in Christianity or in their different religious constructs. And then what is the buffer for that? Because now you bring in these men who don't really have a heart to really walk in the laws, statutes, and commandments of the most high, but they want the booty. And they know that they can get a lot of it within this particular culture. Well said. Uh, well, very simply, especially in our organization, um, number one, to, in order to join our organization, right? Um, at the onset, there's going to be at least a calendar year where you're not going to be allowed to take any women at all. So if you come in with a wife, that's cool. If you come in without a wife, you're not going to be having one for at least a year. You know what I'm saying? So we, we have a lot of stuff in place to where if, if you if you this is not this is the organization to join. If uh, all you want to do is come in here because you can justifiably, you know, deal with multiple women. We have so many parameters in place. And we have zero bonus policies on certain things. And we encourage wives to snitch, right? When I listen, a brother introduced me. Well, okay, nice. Yeah, if he ever you call me, here's my call me, because we're gonna cook him. Because because we, we gotta make sure that everybody is held to a higher standard. And we talk about this stuff to the men. We're the leaders. We're this. We're that. We're a nation of kings and priests. Like she said from the onset, that puts us at that standard. You know what I mean? And, and even myself as the leader of the organization, I have elders that I voluntarily submit myself to to where one of my wives can call and tell on me if they want to, and I can be in council and I can be getting in trouble. You see what I'm saying? So we have to have checks and balances there to where, look, if you really, you're going to have to do a lot just to be justifiably have multiple wives to come up in here. It's so many. Number one, if we, we, we're going to have to be seeing you every week. You're going to have to be standing on the streets for hours. You're going to have to be in class. You're going to have to make mandatory trips. You're going to have to keep high holy. All these various things. If you just in here for that, you can be like, hey, man, well, look, I'm going to just go. I'm going to kind of just do my own thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What about them pockets? You said what? <laughs> what about them pockets? What about what his money? Pocket? Like, I mean, his money. Like, how does he, does he have to have a job just to be able to support that? that I, yeah. My question that I see a lot of, and I, I don't, I'm not disrespecting it when it's done properly, but when it's not done properly, I call it glorified pimping. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Right. So when, yeah, when she, her, 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 and her, and her is working and like, <laughs> this is, you came in here to, to pimp and the Bible explicitly says that we are not supposed to whore the daughters of Zion. And so then that puts the women in a position where you not doing nothing and saying, oh, you know, the lion only got to get up when somebody come and try to tear up the house, but I got to go to work every day. Like, how does that, how does that fit into the parameters for a man? Because if we go back to the beginning and we look at Adam being, a, let's make him a standard. Let's, I'll digress on that point. Let's make Adam the standard. And Adam, before he got a wife, he had land. Uh, you're not saying you have to have land, but I'm saying like, he had a home. He had something he was keeping. He had, a task, he had something he was doing. He had, he was established in that way. I'm not saying you have to have a lot of money. I'm not doing that Westernized thing where you got to be like six figures to, no, but he could provide for the woman that was given to him. If we know that the woman is a gift from God, a gift from the creator, then how is this man who is now going through, yes, yeah, stand on the corner, learn your tour, come to class. Yeah. Okay, the next thing is, how are you going to provide and maintain this household that you say you want? So that's my other question. 
Yeah, uh, that that's that. Those are all standards that we have. To, we you know we hold brothers to. If if you want, if you especially if you want hard times, which anybody is liable and subject to, to come up on hard times, brother. Why are you thinking about you know the next history? And and, and I'll go here to, to Paul's epistle to Timothy, first epistle to Timothy, a five and eight. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he have denied the faith and is worse than infidel. So when when you look like you said, even going back to Adam, all the men in our culture are leaders like, I, like the shirt i got on israelite it says israelite lead, israelite uh father israelite leader israelite king you 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 know a, a leader and a father and a king doesn't sit back and let the women do all the work and you know what i mean that that's that's not what happens a a, a father a leader and a king sets an example is a standard is a provider is a protector etc then we go into proverbs 31 right and and a woman and and the, you know the virtuous woman or the the able woman she actually you know, she has her, she may have her own entrepreneurial exploit where she's going and she wants to add to that house, but that house exists, you know, and is established. And she she assists that house, but that house already is established by that man that she's joining. So that is something that we're very um, you know, we're very vocal about. Awesome. I like that. I like that part. Hilarious. Mom, you funny. Well, let me just say this. You guys have both been amazing. Um, obviously this is second time for hold a third time for cheap because we walk away every single time as you can see from the views and the comments we all walk away a little more enlightened a little more open and a little more aware of how other people think you know and that's really mm -hmm. what this what she said is about is about opening up our minds and having these conversations you know where we start out on the opposite end and we slowly work our way and the next you know we laughing and joking and we like you know what I, are we here we may not be here with that, but we're here with the overall context of how a family should operate and how a man should treat his household and the women in it, whether it's one or two or whatever is agreed upon. So thank you guys so much for joining me again. Um, I'm probably going to make this two parts. So um, you're probably going to see them next week too. <laughs> but mom, hold up, chief. Thank you guys so much. Thursday, 8 p.m., what she said. Take it easy.